0: Hi, welcome to The Zone Podcast. I'm Paula Benetton, and my guest for this episode is Liz Swigart. And our conversation today is about the pandemic, the other pandemic, the silence pandemic that we're not talking enough about, mental health. Liz shares with us her own story, experience, and some important ideas on how we can be better colleagues, better leaders, better friends and really be there for each other and offer better support throughout the challenges of mental illness. Liz has a PhD in organizational leadership and she's chief product and strategy officer at Safe Kids. And she's on a mission to empower kids to be safer online by helping them make better decisions. Thanks so much for being here and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hi, Liz. Uh, Welcome to The Zone podcast. I'm really honored to have you here today.
1: Well, thank you so much, Paula. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: And for our international listeners, can you please let us know, like, where are you speaking from today?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I am coming to you from Houston, Texas, uh, in the United States, uh, where I have lived for over 20 years, although I started out in New York City.
0: Oh, wow. And what has, what has brought you from New York City to Houston?
1: So I moved to Houston uh, when I was 18 years old to go to Rice University. And I, uh, gosh, it's such, a, it's such a typical story. I met a boy, so <laughs> I graduated from college and I met a boy. And the good news is that he's still around. We're married and we have uh, two awesome daughters. So it worked out great. And uh, I will say that my uh, my career and our lives have taken us all around the world, but we've made Houston home. It's a good spot, as I, I think I may have mentioned to you earlier. It is theoretically winter right now here, but nobody seems to have told our climate that. So we are <laughs> uh, yes, we're, we 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 have all sorts of fun weather here in Houston. But uh, it's uh, it's been a good place so far. So I. Uh, I appreciate everybody who's listening from all different parts of the world. And again, I'm just, I'm glad that we have a chance to have a chat.
0: I'm glad too. So, and uh, what a beautiful, successful love story. I love when, uh, you know, teenage romance works out.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Although, I mean, now I will say when I look at my, when I look at my children um, and I do the math and I think, oh my goodness, like, both of mine are just under ten years of age, and I think, wow! In in about a dozen years, like that's how old I was when I got married. Yikes! Uh, so <laughs> it's you know it's one of those things. But I, as you said, I'm really glad. I'm glad the love stories worked out, and I, <laughs> uh, I look I look forward to, I look forward to uh, to seeing where the next chapters of the story go.
0: And Liz, you wanted to talk about something very important and also personal to you, which is mental health and a really, really important uh, topic nowadays, especially it was an important topic. And with the current situation at workplace and the pandemic, I think it's an even more pressing topic. So what's the story that you want to share?
1: Ooh, well, how much time do we have? <laughs> As much time as you want, <laughs> that is a very dangerous thing to say to me. but, but first I, I I need to say thank you for that and and thank you for for how how you contextualized your question. Mm. I've often said that mental health is the global pandemic that nobody's talking about right now. Mm-hmm. We are hearing more and more every day, and it's really sadly, mostly in the context of tragedy. and a lot of it is is tragedy that. I ask, you know, why did we need to get to this point? Uh, and you're spot on. Mental health and mental health concerns aren't new. Mental health has existed as a topic that's relevant to human beings since there were first human beings. As you said, the difference now is that we live in a world that feels like it's always on. It's mm-hmm. always connected. But we somehow seem to be less connected to one another. You brought up the name of the podcast, In the Zone. I think that part of our of our always on culture, particularly as it applies in the workplace, is that we're always 100 percent or 110 percent on and focused and working and driving and hustling. And it's it's really this culture that demands more and more from us, but gives us less and less for ourselves. We continuously pour out, but we never we never fill back up. And so as I as I think about, like, what does it mean to me to be in the zone? So here I am with you <laughs> in the zone. Um, what does that mean? To me, it means being being my authentic self because my zone is me. And when, when I am authentically myself, I mean, I'm unique. There is no, there, there isn't another me. Several people who are related to me would say that's probably a good thing. But I think it's important for all of us to recognize that we live in a world now that prioritizes artifice, prioritizes facade. It prioritizes identity and brands that can be commercialized and monetized. And it has decentered us from authentic human connection and transparency from one another, the ability to be vulnerable. And it's one of the reasons I think that my story, which I will get to, um, <laughs> has has resonated with people. And you know, I, I know that I know that you came across my story online mm-hmm. as well, and I know that parts of it resonated with you because when when I am being authentically myself, and I create a space where you can be authentically yourself, and where we can be relationally vulnerable with one another, mm-hmm. that's where we connect. That's where. We create the possibility for collaboration and learning and growth and development. And that is something I think that all human beings are hungry for and we're not all getting.
0: Yeah. And I, like, I find it like it could be very simple, right? The answer is about being authentic. But there's so many things, as you mentioned in the way, that just take us to a completely different direction of pretense
1: and uh, image and facade. Well, you said it, right? Like, it is actually really simple. It's mm. just not easy. Mm. And there's a distinction between the two. It's straightforward, right? How, what do we need to do to be more connected? It's straightforward. But it's not easy in the sense that it takes a lot of, a lot of work on ourselves to be able to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. to open up, uh, to be authentic, because there's, there's a fear of judgment, And I certainly had that when I started sharing my story, which now I think I've alluded to like four times, so I should should probably Mm -hmm. share that. So I mentioned I I grew up in New York, and I first came to understand that I lived with major depressive disorder, what's just known sometimes as just clinical depression. That was something that was sort of made clear to me when I was about 16 years old. And I didn't really know what to do with it, and the adults around me weren't really sure what to do with it. And so I you know, I just sort of kept going. And then I got to college. And it was when I was 18, uh, that I had as an adult, my first major depressive episode, and it floored me what happened. I went from being bubbly and energetic and the life of every party and always on, right? I was the it girl. (laughs) I went from that to not being able to get out of bed. I'm um, not doing my laundry for weeks on end. All the little things you do to care for yourself all gone. And I I could not find any reason to move. The inertia was overwhelming. And it was strange to me because I felt like I was watching someone else live my life. I didn't feel like I was at home in my own head because I knew that I didn't want this to be this way. I didn't want to be this way. And I also felt completely powerless to change it. Everything felt so heavy. And I was lucky. I was at a university that had a a very good counseling center that was free for students. And I was able to get professional help. I was able to get to a therapist and a psychiatrist. And they were able to help me uh, to to try medication to address it. And unfortunately, the first medications that we tried didn't work. In fact, they kind of did the opposite. And that's one of the challenges with trying to treat mental health is that it is an art and a science. And there is so much that we still don't know about the human brain that a lot of times we're just, you know, it's, it's people who are well-trained and experienced doing their best and it doesn't always work the way you want it to or the way you hope it will or the way you think it will the first time so I I had a I had a really challenging time at university um, just trying to stabilize what was happening with my mental health and it was also when I realized that I needed to learn how to hide it because it scared people and it scared them for a few reasons one it scared me too because it's so unpredictable and frankly, human beings, like we may say that we're spontaneous and like surprises, but there's a limit. And mental health is usually a big limit on that. I realized it made other people uncomfortable. I felt like whether or not it was true, I felt like I was being judged. And it was probably because I was judging myself more harshly than anyone else was judging me. I felt really alone. I thought I was the only one who felt this way. I thought I was the only one who experienced this, and I, I felt like if people really knew just how messed up my head was, all the people who love me would abandon me and that I would just be revealed to be this absolute failure. Now, again, I can sit here and tell you that I know intellectually none of that's true, but it didn't feel that way. And there are still days it doesn't feel that way. Um, And that is what I refer to as my jerk brain. And it likes to lie. Depression lies. And so I spent 20 years of my adult life building what, you know, at least according to the people who looked at my LinkedIn profile, think is an incredibly successful career. And I can objectively say I've done a lot of really cool things in my professional life. And I also know that I did many of them while trying to put on this happy face. Mm. While I was just in turmoil inside. I just have to keep going. I just have to keep going. So I kind of held it together, you know, sort of bubblegum, Band-Aids, duct tape. Um, I sort of held my life together for about 20 years. And then I entered the most profound depression of my adult life starting in about August, September of 2018. You know, I I knew what to do. Went to the psychiatrist, went to the therapist. Um, My career was just on fire at the time. I had... Uh, you know, it was in my third year of uh, being a partner in a big four professional services firm. Right? I was, I was, I was a big deal. Just you know, just ask me. And I, I felt like I couldn't slow down. I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't do anything. I just had to keep going. And so I ended up on a lot of medication. I ended up self medicating. I ended up just doing all sorts of things that were. Really not supportive of my wellness or me getting better, and it culminated in November 2019 um, when I became suicidal, and I I don't go into detail on that because it's it's not helpful for me or really for anybody else. But I will say that I am very very fortunate and lucky to be here, to still be here, and that that event was really what forced me to have to make a lot of changes. So I, um, I actually took a year away from my career, which was unthinkable to me. I was convinced that everything would fall apart. It didn't. I also thought, though, that I could like get better, as if there's such a thing, in uh, 12 weeks. Yeah, it was 12 months. I also realized that it wasn't about, you know, I'll come back when I'm cured. No. I'll return when I'm ready. And that's that's what happened. So I spent a year working on myself. I spent a year working with my therapist, um, who's amazing. I spent a year working with a new, so a new therapist, a new psychiatrist, and I came back to living. And it was also during that year that I was diagnosed with um, obsessive compulsive disorder, which explains so much. And I really started recognizing what I needed to do in my life to. Um, I guess go back, going back to our topic, right? To be in the zone, to be myself, and it required a just a, a a commitment on my part to radical authenticity and honesty with myself and with others, and prioritizing what I needed to do to be well and what most mattered to me, and so that that is. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my, that's my mental health story. And so I feel like I have been so fortunate in getting the support, the care um, that I have, and that I feel a sense of obligation mm-hmm. to, one, speak out and let people know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. that there's reason to be hopeful. It can not only can, can it get better, it's probable that it's going to get better. It's not just possible, it's probable, and I felt like I didn't see a lot of other people who I could, you know, who I resonated with. I didn't see a lot of other people who were necessarily in the same position that I was professionally. And so that really made me feel alone. And I didn't want anybody else to feel that way. So I felt like it was really important for, for me to, to do that. And I will say that I am so happy I did that. Just, I mean, you know, from you to, to others, I mean, the number of people that I've met around the world... Just it's incredible, and I would say that, you know, things things have have not just gotten better; they've gotten awesome. They got fierce. <laughs> yeah, I have absolutely no regrets about deciding to speak out, and I I absolutely encourage others too. It's our connection; it's that authentic, transparent, vulnerable connection. That's what keeps us well, and that's that's really what ultimately makes us human.
0: Yeah. Oh, Liz, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story, like not only here, but actually sharing your story and speaking out and actively writing about it, talking about it. And I think that's that's what really made me resonate with everything you're sharing and really admire you and your work, your purpose, your cause. So thank you so much. And uh, And Liz, one of the things... Like we are living this silence and mental health pandemic and there's so many people struggling and a lot of the times or most of the times like struggling alone. So how can we as society, as colleagues or as, as workplaces and friends and leaders, like how can we, how can we change that?
1: Oh, that is a beautiful question. And I, I just, I love the sound of your voice as you ask that because it is, it is so empathetic and caring. And I think that's where it starts. It's empathy. It is finding our empathy and sharing that with one another. So what, what can we do? One, we can make a commitment to connect with the people around us, to connect with our community and our ecosystem at work. We can ask our colleagues, you know, how are you doing? I mean, how are you really doing? And you can ask that meaningfully before you ask them where that deliverable is or what time the meeting starts or whether or not they've done the thing that you asked them to do. Taking those moments to connect, again, and I I feel like I've said it uh, so many times, to connect authentically, Mm -hmm. to be open, to be transparent. I think for leaders especially, it's important that leaders share their, their stories, share their perspectives, but leaders lead by being open about their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability is not weakness. A vulnerability can be a source of strength. And so I would say that one, so many of these solutions are analog, mm-hmm. right? They're reaching out, they're connecting, they're asking yourself, who have I not heard from recently? It's just that text. It's that It's that touch point. It's finding, it's finding those ways to connect. The other part of it is creating avenues where people feel that they can speak up, creating spaces where people feel that they're not being asked, how are you? So that they can simply go, I'm fine, but that they can really respond in a way that's true and meaningful to them.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes avoid the real second, how are you, because of sometimes they don't know how to deal with the answer or how, if they say they're not fine, like, how do I solve the problem? Or, you know, like, what do I do with it? So is there any, any advice or any suggestion you'd give?
1: So a couple of things. One, um, thank you for, for asking that because it's so true, People want to be there. They want to help. They want to support. They may not know how. And they may also be afraid of saying the wrong thing. I would encourage folks that there's a lot of amazing resources out there. So for those who want to really be engaged and, and be available as a mental health you know, first, first aider, there are some incredible programs all around the world where you can get some training. And a lot of the training is free. And now, almost, I mean, thanks to COVID, so much of it is available online. It's it's available wherever you are in the world, whatever time you have to do it. So I would say, one, there are opportunities through things like Mental Health First Aid, Are You Okay?, the Black Dog Institute, Heart on My Sleeve, there are so many incredible organizations that offer training and content and guidance where nobody's asking you to be a therapist. And you don't need to be. You probably shouldn't, unless that's what you've actually been trained and experienced to do. But it does help you to have a better sense of how to be supportive and even gives you some ideas for what you can do to support your own mental health and wellness and your overall well-being. So I would say one, there are so many resources available, so many you can find online, the ones I've just mentioned and, and even more. And I would absolutely encourage people to educate themselves and learn how, how they can be supportive and encouraging and also how they can do it in a way that's, that feels real to them, that feels authentic to who they are and maybe helps them be a little less afraid of you know saying the wrong thing. Because frankly, it's better to say something and have it be not quite right Mm. than it is to, to say nothing, to be silent.
0: Mm. And to, to really be there, right? Like to be present, to listen. Mm. Mm, Thank you, Liz. And I also know that you have recently made a big change in in your career, like in this direction of being more authentic. And so would you like to, to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: I would love to. So yes, I have. On the 1st of November, I became the um, chief product and strategy officer for a new technology company. We're called Safe Kids AI. And we are, we are focused, I mean, our mission is to empower kids, young people, adolescents to be safer online by making better decisions and I was drawn into this work because it's so funny. The CEO and I worked together over a dozen years ago when he had a fintech company and I was giving them tax advice. I was working with them on their, their taxes. Uh, and that's how that's how we met for the first time. And then in the last, last couple of years, particularly with what happened during the pandemic, remote learning for students, so much of their social lives going online for good reason. Um, But still, a challenging situation. He just felt moved to do better than what he saw was out there to try to keep kids safer, to protect their mental health, to support them. Because, I mean, all of us, but particularly young people, are being bombarded online every day by content that is not in their best interest. It's not content that's supporting their wellness, their well-being, their learning. And it was the question wasn't, you know, like it wasn't about, well, how do you like block them and restrict them and report them and rat them out? Like, that's not really helpful because what happens then when like they finally leave home, right? They haven't learned anything. They haven't had the opportunity to make a mistake and come back from it and do better. So how do we do that? And so that's what I'm working on now. I'm working on how we can develop technology That is focused on, one, keeping the kids safer online, but also redirecting them to authentic human connection in their lives, helping them to recognize what content online may be hurting them, even if it seems like it's fun, even if it seems like it's cool. How can they make better decisions? How can they be more authentically themselves? And how can they connect with people around them, their peers and the adults in their ecosystem who care for them? And how can they be more focused on, on their own goals for their own growth, development, and learning? And so that, to me, is really exciting work to be doing. And I love that I get to do it with a group of people who I really like. Mm-hmm. And it's also hard. The Internet's a really big place. And frankly, the Internet can be a really scary place, too. There's a, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet that is not great. And so how do we use how do we how do we find ways to maximize what we can get from the Internet, use it for good? And how do we find ways to uh, to help our young people to grow up to be to be the best versions of themselves that they can be?
0: Mm, Wow. This is why Safe Kids AI is so needed and so important.
1: Well, I I think so for sure. And I I hope that uh, I hope that we are able to to make really positive change and to help young people because they are, they're so important. They're more than our future, they're our present. Mm. And so it I, I think that that is uh, a very worthy, it's a very worthy cause and a way to spend my time for sure.
0: Well, the best of luck in this new adventure, <laughs> in this new project, and more than that, I think like a, a purpose and a mission.
1: Yes. Purpose and mission. Those are, those are excellent words for it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Very much so.
0: And Liz, who would you like to, to be connected with in this new phase that you are at, you know, like where are the people that you would like to hear from, connect with, what type of, I don't know, help or inspiration are you looking for?
1: Thank you for that. Uh, So I my my personal philosophy is that it is impossible to know enough generous empathetic engaged kind passionate people. I just I, it's not possible. So I I love to connect with people who kind of fit that description. In my in my new role, uh, hearing from parents, hearing from educators, hearing from people in uh, education administration. Uh, hearing from from other folks in the tech space. I think that the interesting thing about what I'm working on right now, given that we're focused on how we help adolescents to make decisions during one of the most challenging points in their lives, I mean, in, in the human experience, there are very, very few times where your impulse control, ability to make decisions, impressionability, yeah susceptibility to peer pressure are higher than they are when you're a teenager like it's the perfect storm so i think for anybody who has teenagers in their lives or cares about how our teens are developing into uh, into adults anybody who wants to who wants to support this mission i love to hear from you know i am always open to connecting with folks who may want to know that on their own journey they're not alone so I, uh, I welcome it. And I, uh, I look forward to getting to, uh, to visit with folks who maybe I can encourage and support as well.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for this. And, uh, and where can they find
1: you? Well, uh, you can, you, well, it is the internet, so you can pretty much find me. <laughs> um, <laughs> the easiest ways to find me are either on LinkedIn or just on my, on my own website. It's, my, it's Liz and my last name, swigert.com. So you can, you, can find, you can find me there as well.
0: Thank you so much, Liz.
1: And uh, thank you so
0: much for being here today and sharing your story, sharing your mission and sharing with so much passion and so much vulnerability and uh, inspiration for everyone. And what is a um, final message that you want to leave all listeners with?
1: Well Paula first I want to say thank you to you thank you for inviting me and and thank you for just such a beautiful conversation for your own vulnerability for your own authenticity and for bringing for bringing this this podcast frankly to the world uh, just all of the people that you talk to this is a real gift I appreciate what you're doing and I know many many other people do too so thank you again thank you Last final thoughts. <laughs> um, I'm I'm always tempted to to drop a quotation because uh, th- there are some brilliant people uh, like Ralph Waldo Emerson, whose whose commentary was that it is uh, well talked about talked about being authentically yourself and the challenge of doing that in the world. What what I will say is I'll, I'll leave it in my own words. Um, in my own words, what I would end on is that to whoever is listening, you matter. You are important you are not alone. And if things are feeling really tough right now, I want you to know that there is hope and that there is a reason to be optimistic. Please reach out. Please connect. And if you have anyone in your life who you think might need to hear from you, let them do that. Let them hear from you today. We are, we are not alone. We are in this together as humans. And our our highest calling is to create opportunities for one another to flourish. Wow. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you.
0: Wow. I feel deeply moved right now and so grateful that Liz was here today sharing her story so openly with us. I'm not sure about you, but I will need some time to go through all the resources that she's shared and go on my own education journey on how can I be a better supporter. I hope you learned something new. I hope you find it valuable. And if you want to get in touch with Liz, it's Liz Weigart on LinkedIn. And if you want to get in touch with us, you know where to find us. It's www.thezone.co. That's C-O. Thank you so much for being here today. And I hope to see you next time. In the meantime, stay in the zone.